Welcome to Creative Biolab Science Channel. As an experienced expert and reliable partner, Creative Biolabs is proficient in lipid-based drug delivery and functional liposome development. With versatile methods, diverse products, superior quality, and fast turnaround, we are confident to provide optimum solutions tailored to boost your R&D projects. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. As our sharing guest, Dr. Smith came to our program today as promised. There is a lot of interesting knowledge waiting for us to explore. I believe everyone is looking forward to his arrival. Let's welcome Dr. Smith with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Smith? Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Beth. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation. I'm very excited to be here. Summarizing the main content of the previous episodes, many scientists presented some ideas about structure-activity relationships at the molecular and colloidal levels. Most of the related research aims to find the optimal conditions for gene transfection in vivo, including sufficient conditions and necessary conditions. The small size nature of colloids and efficient DNA packaging and protection appear to be necessary for efficient in vivo performance. It has been argued that large, loose, amorphous complexes do not protect DNA well and achieve reasonable biodistribution. A sufficient condition for efficient transfection in vivo appears to be proper stability in plasma and interactivity with cells. The mechanism of transfection is our next concern. Where do we start, Dr. Smith? First of all, we must be clear that DNA transfection and gene expression are very complex processes. So far, not many studies have addressed the relevant mechanisms. Only some specific steps are studied. When it comes to the mechanism by which the genosome enters the cell, earlier models based on rhodamine lipid fluorescence studies found that the genosome spreads rapidly to the cell surface. The scientists thus envisioned the complex fused with the cell membrane. However, most researchers recently believed that the complex enters the cell through the endocytic pathway. After the genosome has been internalized, what might be decondensing the DNA when it is released from the endosome? When DNA is released from the endosome, it may be decondensed by anionic lipids from the outer surface of the endosome. Anionic liposomes were shown to rapidly release DNA bound to dotap liposomes at neutral charge ratios. Furthermore, DNA was also released upon incubation with heparin and dextrin sulfate. In contrast, DNA, RNA, polyglutamate, spermidine, spermine, and histones did not induce DNA release. These results suggest that DNA may be broken down when released from endosomes, where membrane-facing endosomes have a similar lipid composition. Clearly, in order for these two systems to interact, some still unknown membrane disruption must occur. There is a widely accepted view that DNA cationic lipids are an irreversible reaction. But in fact, the genosome can be disassembled, right? That's right. Research shows that the presence of high salt causes the complex to dissociate. In some experiments, endosome-disrupting agents increase gene expression, suggesting an endocytic pathway. For example, the use of chloroquine, monosin, or ammonium chloride reduces endosomal acidification, while colchicine interferes with endosomal uptake. Berfeldin B interferes with endosomal transport. 
However, these drugs were not effective in all cases studied, and unpredictable increases or decreases in transfection rates after their addition remained unclear. Transfection in vitro and in vivo are likely biologically the same process, so why discuss their mechanisms separately? This is due to the colloidal properties of genosomes, such as their stability in harmful environments, which differ markedly in the two cases. Therefore, although biologically likely to be the same process, we will discuss the transfection mechanism in vitro and in vivo separately. The researchers tried to show that the two systems are unrelated because of these interactions. We will demonstrate that the differences lie in the different phagocytic activities of cells in culture and in tissues, as well as the pharmacokinetics, biodistribution, and stability in the plasma of genosomes. For example, we choose to track a genosome with specific physicochemical properties. What research should be done to explore the mechanism of this genosome transfection? First, these specific physicochemical properties determine the biology of the genosome during the transgenic process. More specifically, its stability and interaction properties determine its fate in biological systems. Therefore, there is a need to study how the genosome interacts with the cell and how its interaction into the cytoplasm leads to entry into the nucleus. Currently, we can control most of the behavior until the DNA is released in the cytoplasm. So, we will focus on the first part of the transfection, which is the transfer of the plasmid from the extracellular to the cytoplasm. For gene expression, the DNA plasmid must enter the cytoplasm and migrate to the nucleus. Why is the second part of transfection, which involves the transfer of plasmids from the cytoplasm to the nucleus, not the focus? Because the current observation of this part is still very obscure. The exact mechanism of this internalization into the nucleus is unknown. It is possible to control it better through special DNA inserts than through transport. While there is a constant flow of nucleic acids out of the nucleus, in nature only the DNA of viruses and sperm travel efficiently in the opposite direction. However, there are many proteins shuttled on the nuclear membrane, including transporters, nucleoparins, etc., which may contain nuclear localization sequences. These regions are rich in basic amino acids and can bind nucleic acids. This complex enters the nucleus through the nuclear pore complex. The nuclear pore complex is a protein that regulates pores about 100 nanometers in diameter. Therefore, it is possible that with appropriate DNA fragments or molecular tags, proteins can carry the DNA into the nucleus. What is the optimal DNA conformation to enter the nucleus? Condensed, supercoiled, or relaxed state? There is no conclusion yet on this issue. For the instance, direct microinjection of cationic lipid DNA complexes into the nucleus resulted in low gene expression. This suggests that genomic DNA cannot depolymerize DNA, it may enter in a depolymerized state. The disaggregated state may also shuttle into the nucleus with an active mechanism through a specific recognition mechanism. Furthermore, large amounts of agglutinated DNA in the cytoplasm did not result in efficient transfection. What research needs to be done to understand the efficiency of plasmid transfection? The researchers investigated the binding of DNA liposome complexes to mouse capillary lung endothelial cells by quantitative flow cytometry. Although they used lower concentrations of cationic lipids, they showed that, on average, each cell contained 10,000 plasmid molecules covalently labeled with ethidium monoazide. 
Uptake of the plasmid showed typical saturation type behavior, reaching saturation levels after approximately 10 hours. The results showed that despite an average of several hundred thousand plasmids in the cells, only half of the cells showed transfection activity. In the upcoming episodes, we will discuss the transfection mechanism in vitro and in vivo, respectively. That is all. So much for our content today. Thanks to Dr. Smith for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you for listening. There will be more interesting knowledge waiting for us in the next program. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.